Hi, I'm Emma Clark, and this is Before the Bar Opens, the podcast about what happens before the music starts. I talk to people who make, use, and love music. Tony Nixon started his radio life in hospital radio in 1995, progressing to professional radio in 2000 with the launch of 2BR in Burnley as Drive Time presenter. He also worked as an overnight network producer for the Real Radio and Smooth Radio Networks. Out of the station, he runs his own successful audio production company, supplying voiceovers and music for radio and TV commercials UK-wide and beyond. I want to know how Tony chooses music for radio and music for hospitals. Tony, when did you know you were going to have a career working with music? Well, I think I've always been to music, listening to the charts on the radio and trying to press pause before the DJ comes back in, <laughs> as everybody does when, when you're younger, uh, listening to the chart shows. It was actually in mid-90s. I was seeing a young lady at the time who um, wanted to drop something off with somebody at the uh, local hospital radio station. And I was like, oh, okay. So we drove up there and in we went. And I, and I was in the waiting room whilst um, she just dropped into the studio and dropped this paper off and she said, would you like a look around? I thought, oh, I'll have a look around. So I went in there, had a look around and I thought, quite fancy this, you know, playing your own CDs and things like that. And, and I kind of inquired then. So it was like August 1995 when I kind of got into radio really, but that took the liking of music to another level level for me and, and that's how it all started for me really. Do you remember your very first broadcast? Yes it was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> um, what happened? What went wrong? Why was it a train wreck? I'm sure it wasn't. Well you're new to the scene aren't you really and it's hospital radio you, you suddenly you're not playing I say CDs it was still it was still vinyl and cassettes back then I'm that old <laughs> but you know playing music to yourself in your in your bedroom or whatever at home and then suddenly there's people listening and you've got to talk in between and it was it was very much uh, that, 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 that was a great song and, and this is the next song and 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 you get to the end of it and you think <laughs> that was horrific but you know the listener probably didn't really notice but they enjoyed the music you're playing but you still think oh that was horrible but it's how you learn really isn't it and um that's what it was like for me a train wreck in that respect because i thought i was rubbish but you practice you learn you progress and it's a learning curve isn't it, it and is. you gain confidence the more you do it absolutely i mean it must be terrifying that first time your mic is live and you're talking to Utter strangers for the very first time. It is exactly that. You've hit the nail on the head with that one. But having progressed in radio as I have for the last 150 years, <laughs> you come across lots of people that are very confident with it and they can do it just like that drop of a hat and they pick it up fantastically well. And then there's other people that need quite a bit more coaching and a bit more mentoring. Uh, and I think I was like that at the start. I probably didn't exude much confidence. I was the quiet kid at school. But strangely, in front of the microphone in the radio studio, after my first tentative steps reel, the first couple of shows, I think I picked it up really quickly and really well. And, and I've done really well with it. So I'm one of the people that maybe is just about confident. I'm not Mr. Aid. Put me on a stage in front of people where they can see me. And I'd rather be behind a brick wall pressing play because I can't do it with people watching. But if you put me on a stage, I'll go to pieces. But I've got the confidence in a studio because they can't see me. But other people can do the radio and they can do the stage as well and the kind of an all-round type of person I, I'm not that person but I think I'm doing quite well and, and I'm okay with this one because you can't see me today really. <laughs> <laughs> what was the very first piece of music you ever broadcast oh blimey um whew. 
I couldn't honestly tell you what my first song was because it was a case of you've got an hour's programme to do. We'd like you to play about 14 songs in that hour. Go to the record library, which it was then. It was shelves full of vinyl, seven-inch singles and LPs. And, and we just picked what we liked, I think. And back then I was into... I still am an 80s person, really. So the, the, the 80s was really a decade that had just shimmied out the way, really, for the 90s. So it, we were only five years into the 90s, halfway through the decade. So it was I was kind of limited <laughs> to, to what I could play. I wasn't really into the, the 50s and the 60s, but the remit for hospital radio is you've got to play a wide range of, as it is now, really, pretty much, unless you're on a specific radio station. You've got to play a wide range of music to appeal to every listener because you've got people in that are kids to the elderly, obviously. So you've you've got to have a good mix of it. So... I couldn't tell you the first track, but it would have been a great one. <laughs> I don't doubt it. <laughs> now, you started your radio career in hospital radio. So I'm really interested in how music can affect our health and well-being. Does listening to music when you're ill make you feel better? I would say so, yeah, because taking a step back from getting my first programme in the hospital radio station in the studios, part of the grounding uh, was to go around with one of the station administrators to collect requests from the wards. Now, back then, they'd keep you in for as long as they could. You know, even if you were just having a what would be classed as an outpatient's day surgery today, they'd keep you in for a week to make sure you were all right and you were fed and watered and you could go to the toilet, okay, and they'd keep you in for quite a while. So when you were going around collecting requests for my Sunday evening show, quite a lot of the time, you'd see the same faces within the next week to 10 days, they'd still be in the hospital. So wow. they'd request a song, which you knew, as soon as you came around and they knew you were from the radio station, their eyes lit up because they knew that there was going to be some interaction they could hear their own song on the radio at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, whenever you went on in the evening, and they'd get the name mentioned on the radio. And that's what we did. And we'd get reports from the ward staff saying, oh, you played that song for John at 10 past eight. And he was he was, he was trying to get out of bed and dance. And, and it's like, you've just had an operation. You've got to rest. And he's like, no, 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 it's my favorite song. you know. And, and the, the reports <laughs> we were getting back were brilliant. And that kind of feedback... Except for social media these days, with radio as it is now, you don't get that interaction from the listener. You can't see it. But to have that direct link to your listeners was brilliant. And yeah, uh, short answer, yes, I think so. I caught up with Murray Pat, founder of our proud sponsors, Alexander Knight & Co., the accountants for entrepreneurs, to find out what music means to him. I mean, all accountants love music, right? At the end of a long day... What music do you love to listen to? If I'm in a rush to get home, I think it will be something like Town Called Malice by The Jam. Keep it going, keep busy, try to not exceed the speed limit. If it's been a great day in terms of I've won some new clients, then I'll probably think of playing one of the songs from Rocky. I'll try and do the trumpet. Do you know that one? I think I do, yeah. And my daughter <laughs> plays the trumpet, so it kind of reminds me of her as well, so that's good. On your way to a client meeting, do you listen to music to get you pumped up? Absolutely. If it's a meeting where I'll be asked to confirm some numbers, I'll listen to 11 plus 11 by 9 below zero, because obviously I'm a numbers guy at heart. Also, if it's been a really great meeting, maybe Queen, Another One Bites the Dust. Oh, we are the champions. I've listened to that, obviously, from a football perspective quite a lot recently when we won the Champions League final. You're a Liverpool fan, aren't you? And yeah, they played We Are The Champions. So it does actually remind me of Madrid whenever I hear that song. Big thanks to Alexander Knight & Co, the accountants for entrepreneurs. For the best tax advice, email hello at alexanderknightaccountants.co.uk and find out how much you and your business can save.
Being a radio presenter gave Tony confidence, as if by speaking to listeners, he found his voice. And when he plays the music and connects with his audience through the tunes he plays, it gives him a sense of community, a sense of belonging. Are there any tracks you really can't play on hospital radio? Yes. The main one, and believe it or not, a lot of people ask for this a lot um, because it's an absolute classic and it's Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. (gasps) Of course. There's Eddie Cochran, Three Steps to Heaven. Uh, And now, uh, although Three Steps to Heaven is talking about being in a new relationship with a new lady or a partner, but Three Steps to Heaven and you're thinking there's people very, very poorly in hospital and, and there's some in ICU and there's a long list of those. Engelbert Humperdinck, please release me because they want to get out of uh, prison, I mean hospital. (laughs) There's things like Killing Me Softly and I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. The great songs, and yes, it's that person's favourite song, but you know that the people in the next ward, which is a critical illness or something like that, you can't play that because if they were listening, then you're going to offend them. Or their relatives coming to see them, you know, you could easily offend somebody. Absolutely. I mean, it's an emotional time, isn't it, when somebody's in hospital? You you don't know what's going to happen to them. You know, if there's any query about any prognosis, it's it's dicey, isn't it? Mm. Absolutely. Now, you've been an overnight network producer on major UK radio stations. So how does nighttime music differ from daytime music? It's not much different, to be honest, with with the networks I worked with, because there were groups of regional stations, but operating on a national level, if you you get what I mean. So the, the national brands, but in separate regions. And because they're so big radio stations, they've still got a very high listenership overnights, evenings, early mornings, when most people are in bed, really, I suppose. But you've, you've got your night work workers and shift workers and they were still listening so the music policy was the same for through the nights and competitions were still being run there was still interaction there was still facebook and social media i was going to ask you that did you have listener interaction even though it was overnight lots it was an eye-opener to me because well 1995 hospital radio maybe three listeners if uh, if they weren't sleeping you know but but the people you got you knew were listening because you spoke to them before you did your show so you knew those listeners were there and then as time's gone on with social media and different listening habits and put your hands up if you still work nine to five Monday to Friday not yeah, many people exactly. do now you know so you've got yeah. the shift workers and the overnighters and taxi drivers late bus drivers train drivers you know they're listening all the time and the interaction may have dropped off compared to daytime but it was still there and that's a good argument these days for having live presenters overnights on these programs instead of having automated shows where the computer just spits out song after song after song yeah. and yes there was a lot of interaction and surprisingly much which is why they wanted me to do the job so so I could help the presenters out really you know so yes it was very popular. Did you find that listeners who called into the radio station or had some kind of contact with the radio station overnight were they a bit more open was it more conducive to them opening up in some way? Yeah I think in a way because you you tend to get the the different styles of programs in the evenings on some of the networks where you have the phone-ins and things like that so people that can't sleep a bit of insomnia or they're working in an office late and ah the board I'm sure the boss is in bed sleeping now I'll just ring the local radio station (laughs) and they do and I think sometimes, like I say, if you're working in a, in a job that's a little bit boring overnight, they call the radio station. And I think people call almost for a chat because they want a bit of companionship, unless you're running a competition. Because a lot of people, even if you're giving away half an eaten mince pie or something at Christmas, <laughs> somebody will ring in to win it because it's something for nothing. <laughs> Trust me, I've been there, I've done it. Um, What's the daftest prize you've ever given away? Half an eaten mince pie. <laughs> 
I'm not naming names or radio networks, but yes, <laughs> oh, half an eaten mince pie. How did you deliver it to the listener? Uh, the, the presenter <laughs> dropped it off after the show. They actually went around to drop it off. Uh, and it's just bonkers. Um, but, you know, we're giving away a £50 voucher for a, a leading high street brand who've um, donated as a voucher this weekend on the radio station I'm working for at the moment, uh, which is really good. But right down to car stickers, you know, get, yeah. go and come and pick your car stickers up. And if we see you, we'll, we'll read your registration out on the air and you can win a tank of fuel or something like that. It can be crazy sometimes. But it's on the aim of fun. And that person that won the half-eaten mince pie probably wouldn't eat it anyway, but they'll tell all the mates. And, <laughs> well, you never know. But yeah, it was just a silly, zany thing that we did one night to see if people would ring in, and they did. <laughs> I wanted to find out how music policy changes in radio stations, whether they're in a hospital or on a major network. How does a programmer choose the tunes? The radio station I'm managing at the moment, it's a community radio station, so... Give it a shout-out tone. It's Rossendale Radio on 104.7 FM in the Rossendale Valley and online. We wanted to appeal to as many people as we can. We're not Radio 1. We're not some of the younger brands that just play the top 10 on loop. So we wanted to appeal to, yes, the teenagers and people right up to 50s, 60s and beyond. So we we play a good heady mix of everything from, there's a sprinkling of 50s and then everything up to the present day, really. So the way it's programmed, we have a good mix of that. The computer is told what to pick out of which folds, obviously 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And it's it's my job to make sure there's a good spread of those all across each day part and and across the weeks. So the computer does it all really, but but the the big work was before we launched, I had to put all that music in, inputting the music and and then putting them in the categories. But once that's done. I mean, that took weeks to be fair, but it's a one-off job. And then every day, every week, we add the new music that's coming in. We get them sent via pluggers that email new audio on MP3. So we we, we review them, we play them, uh, decide if we're going to put them in our currents category, our A's and B lists, and then we we import them and put them in. So ongoing, it's it's maybe a couple of hours a week to increase that database. How do you choose what goes on your A and B list? And when do when <laughs> when do records fall off the A list and go onto the B list? I've kind of kept it a bit more simple because it's me doing the job and I'm a bit simple. So I, I don't have uh, A and B list. I have uh, what I call currents and recurrence. So the, the current track, there's about there's about 20, 25 tracks in my currents category, which is everything that's in the top 20, really. And then the recurrence are the songs that have got a little bit tired in that category and they start to drop down the charts. So I'll take them out of the currents category and put them in the recurrence. So we have two current tracks now and one recurrent track. So we're not too chart heavy. So they kind of slip in and out of those categories. And then when, it, when it's being tired in the the recurrent category. It drops down to my general category, which is about 2,000 songs. So it comes round in rotation with those. So everything gets a good even play when it's new for about a week, 10 days, and then and then it slips down. But if people ask for it and say, oh, have you got that McFly track? We'll give it a play, you know, because that's what we're about. We can do that. But otherwise, it's it just comes round with the rest when they come round every now and again. For radio listeners, radio stations play an important role. Presenters and the music they play become part of the soundtrack to our everyday life. And at times of crisis, radio stations keep us informed with important news and information. I wanted to know how music policy changes at a time of national emergency. 
everybody is trained when they become a presenter for Rossendale Radio and any radio station really you've got to be very very tight on the training from the news point of view you know if you see something on social media to say something big's happened in the world don't just straight away open your mic and blurt it out because it needs to be confirmed you need to check the news sources ring the station manager my phone went mad when we lost Prince Philip yes when that happened um, we have our our obit procedure in place there's a little script in the back of a script file in the studio to say if this happens make sure it's confirmed first immediately ring me or the station manager whoever's on duty that day and just make sure the story's real and then we'll take it from there we have a procedure a two-hour long pre-recorded mix of what we called obit songs but the slow somber music so is that an obituary alarm kind of procedure it is in your commercial radio stations and groups they will all have a specific procedure if there is an obituary that needs to get out on the air immediately as in a royal death yes there is a procedure that those radio stations follow and the news wires the new service will send a signal to an alarm system in the radio stations a big white light flashes and then you're supposed to immediately go to your news provider and, and listen and then you'll be instructed what to do what's happened how to deal with it. Uh, At community radio level, we don't have that, um, but we are just constantly watching the news for anything and everything and luckily for for me and for us at Rossendale Radio we have a fantastic team so if anything happened my phone would ring within 30 seconds and I can then go and deal with it immediately and which is what we did with Prince Philip. The system worked really well we have a a pre-recorded two hour long cart of obituary songs that we would just put on the air and then we can regroup and then deal with the situation. And then for the next week, we just led with story after story of Prince Philip. And and as the, the UK, everybody in the UK, radio and TV, you just drop it down to the very lowest level and you just do as instructed by your news provider, really, and just keep an eye on the news. I remember when Princess Diana died, how different radio sounded then. All the music was sombre. I remember commercial radio pulled a lot of commercials. Yeah just to keep the mood really respectful. And I remember hearing Steve Wright. He must have been on Radio 2. And I remember him saying, we haven't changed the music back to the kind of stuff we usually play it because it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And that really stayed with me, really struck me that I guess as a station head, you have to have your finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist and just feel when it's appropriate to let off yeah. the obituary procedure and to go back to normal effectively yeah I, I mean we were on that for a week and you have to observe it you know people die all the time that sounds harsh but they do and it was such a high profile passing i was working from home that morning and my wife texted and said prince philip died question mark on the text and i was like oh it's another one of these hoaxes is it he's, he's died about 15 times this year already you know and uh, there have been umpteen conspiracy theories yes whizzing around the internet for months and it happens with a lot of high profile celebrities as well oh cliff richards yeah. died again today oh right okay well, well oh. you see this is it you have to be so cautious don't you, you do. as a radio station head that it is a genuine story yeah, you do um so i saw this text and and my wife's not one We've all got a sense of humour, but Lindsay's not the person to joke about something like that because she knows about my stance as a radio station manager and she wouldn't joke about that. So I thought, oh. So I clicked on the screen, Sky News, Prince Philip, Prince Philip, Prince Philip, death, passed away, sad times. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? So I I quickly rang uh, Jeanette, who was on the air. She was doing a live programme and she was just introducing her next guest. 
uh, and I rang her and I said, I'm really sorry, you're going to have to cancel your guest. Um, the song you're playing now, please we just fade it out and put cart number one or two, three, five, whatever it is. And it was our two hour long pre-mixed somber songs. And, the, and there was my voice in between saying, due to the, the news we've just heard from Buckingham Palace, normal programs have been suspended until further notice. And then the next song. And that's all it was until I could get into the studio. And from there, we just listened to the news wires. There were special programs going out on the satellite channels that we could take, so we put that live. And even though you've got this, this what we call the obit procedure, even though it's written down in black and white in, in a piece of paper, you will do this, please do this, please call this person, please do this, don't say this, uh, wait for it to be confirmed. When it happens, you don't know what day it is. It's It really takes you by surprise. And and I'll admit, I was, for 10 seconds, I stood there with my hand on my head thinking, what do I do? Sure. It was a horrible time. But the team rallied and we did what you've just said before. All the normal music dropped. No jingles, no idents, no adverts for a whole week. And when you're in that and you're listening to your own radio station because you're in the radio station programming it for this purpose, mm some of the presenters were coming saying we've been doing this long enough now haven't we should, should we should we get back to normal it was only like day two and i said no it's going to be at least a week this it's a very high profile royal passing we have to observe it the rest of the uk is doing it so we, we have to do this and it's it's common sense you do it's a delicate balance isn't it and i guess so much of it is down to your own empathy and compassion and as i say just feeling the mood of of your community mm. and reflecting that i guess i've never really been a royalist now, I'm not one of these people that say, oh, abolish the monarchy, we don't need it. I'm not I'm not that person. I think the Queen does an absolutely fantastic job at what she does. I think all the royal family do. Prince Philip did. But at the end of the day, some of the content we were playing, you couldn't help just get emotional because a family has lost a figurehead. It's a person. It's a father. It's a husband. It's a grandfather. It's a great-grandfather. And that person has suddenly gone. And that family is ripped apart. And it was emotional. And music has that thing. It has that power to affect your emotions. And, and it's it's a very strong weapon sometimes, music. And to this day now, it, it's still... Something like that is still quite raw with me. What tracks are on the obit list? Songs that you would generally, I suppose, hear on a, a late-night love show, I suppose. It, it's songs that are inoffensive and just reflect the mood at the time um we've got things like benny king stand by me shania twain you're still the one randy crawford you might need some body rock set listen to your heart things like that it's the songs that have got the right message for the mood if you will uh, extreme more than words um cool and the gang cherish all those kind of songs that would be fitting of a, of a late night show anyway but they've been picked with real care those they have and we've got about 200 in that list and we had people ringing in at that time saying they were in bits they were absolutely falling apart at the death of this man that they've probably never met but because that person is such a high profile on the tv or the radio or in the media in general you feel like you know them and when they die when they pass away you've lost a family member and at first when you say before i got into radio if somebody had said that to me i'd have been like oh pull yourself together whatever it's just a bloke but it wasn't, you know, and, and that's the heartwarming thing, I think, about how people came together and so many people congratulated us for what we did to reflect the mood of the Rossendale Valley at the time, which in turn was part of the mood of the nation. And I think if anybody says they weren't moved by what happened, not not just through Rossendale Radio, but through 
any media outlet, I, I think they'd be lying. Do you think that the music choices amplified people's emotional reaction? I do, because a lot of the songs that we played were the late night love tunes. But for a lot of people, the late night love songs are also breakup songs. And they remind you of a past relationship, a past partner. People you've lost, your own losses, your own grief. Exactly. And, and a lot of the songs are played are funeral songs, you know. So whilst reflecting the nation's mood... And emotions, because some of the songs we played, strike a, a, a nerve with me. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this was played at my grandma's funeral. And you're stifling back the tears, especially if you're on the air at that time, because we, we did start to try and introduce some of the familiar voices to the valley. You have to bring some familiarity back. So it was kind of bring some of the voices back, but let's leave the dad jokes at the door. Here's a couple of scripts about Prince Philip's life, about what he got up to, and some of the work that they did as a royal couple, as a royal family. And it all brings that emotion through. And when you're on the air reading that script and then you play the next song that was played at your grandmother's funeral or, or somebody that's passed, you've got to put that microphone off quickly because I was filling up with tears. And it's coming back to how music affects different people. You know, that, that song, Breathe Hands to Heaven, that means a lot to me for personal reasons. But to somebody else, it'd be like, oh, not this again but it's part of a mood that we're trying to portray. Music does that. It is a very emotional thing for a lot of people, but one, one song means a lot to somebody, to one person, and it means nothing to somebody else, and that, that's the beauty of music, isn't it? All the show notes for this episode are available in the description, and there's a bunch more stuff at beforethebaropens.com. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, just take your pick. Before the Bar Opens is created by me, Emma Clark, and is produced by Rick Watson. I compose the theme music we use on Before the Bar Opens, and you can hear the full piece on our website, beforethebaropens.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a review, hopefully a lovely one, and tell your friends. Another episode will be along very soon, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening.